Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Bases loaded and one out. Oh my God! Deep to right field, way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Grand slam. Hello and welcome in everybody to episode 126 of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. And I am joined by George today. You can follow him on Twitter at Roto underscore Nino. It is technically season three of this podcast. It is our first season, our first official episode of the 2021 season. And we aren't even out of October. The World Series was fantastic. We didn't talk a little <laughs> bit. We didn't talk at all about it on the podcast. We've kind of been enjoying some downtime. You've been busy. You just got engaged. Congratulations. Thank you, man. A, Thank you. I just bought a house. We are busy. People. Chris just had a baby or is having a baby. It's like, yeah, dude, yeah life's happening. Like we're Life adults. is happening, man. It's been it's been a while. It's been a few weeks now. But um, yeah, big stuff. I mean, I, I got engaged. I turned 30. Um, oh, you're so, right, right. You had a birthday, too. Yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. Man, like, <laughs> like, this is what adulting feels like, right? I don't want to be right. I want to be, be a kid again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's it's been exciting. And yeah, of course, the Dodgers win the World Series. But I mean. If nobody talks about it, did it really happen? I mean, it it just seems like, you know, two nights ago, they win the World Series. And after that, like all the talk is just about Justin Turner and Blake Snell and, you know, Kevin Cash. Analytics. We're doing this. Well, before we get get started, people might have read the title. People, I just want everyone to know we're going to do some catcher talk. I'm calling it catcher talk. Or catcher ramblings, whatever it might be, because we're not going to do ranks. We're going to go through the two early mocks ADP of catchers, and then just kind of ramble off about. We're going to talk about the top twelve, and then discuss a few names outside the top twelve we really like. We don't, me and you, we have like I have, like I said, I have actually I've written up forty catchers. You don't even need that many in your average leagues, but I felt the need to write up forty catchers already. So I have like a, like a legitimate blur about a paragraph long on each of them. So of course I could talk about catchers, but I don't want to rank yet because there's so much to be determined. So I'm yeah. not ready to give like official ranks or talk ranks tonight. So we're going to talk ADP because that's the closest thing we have to ranks. And we'll talk about some preferences, some players maybe we're a little higher or lower on and go from there. But before we get started, let's talk World Series. First off, Giants fan, buddy, pal. Did that oh, hurt man. just a little bit? Uh, You know, it. It was fine. I my fiance is a Dodger fan, so it's like I, I kind of got to be supportive. Uh, but I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't pulling for the Rays. I mean, you know, I absolutely was. I would have loved to see the Rays, but um, I'm okay with the Dodgers winning it. I, I think I'm it's unfortunate that no one's really talking about it. You know, it's yeah. all, all you you've read like since then is just everything outside of that, and then. You know, it's like they don't even give the team any time before, you know, everyone else is already making moves. 
and hiring controversial managers and <laughs> I think I saw something about voting for all-star players too like what is that what's going on with that like yeah. I didn't realize I thought the all-star game was there's no all-star game so why are we voting for all-stars just to officially say they were an all-star this year like it's like I don't know man it's aggravating that and you're right there is it was like the quickest thing like it was super exciting the first night and then it's like just silence and the whole Justin Turner thing was just idiotic and then he's like could he, he made didn't he tweet out something about not being able to celebrate with his with his teammates but he was clearly on the field celebrating like does he not realize there's a thousand cameras watching him yeah so I don't understand that but the Dodgers winning I was just happy to see Kershaw get his ring I think if anybody deserved it it was Kershaw I was rooting for the Rays too but I have no I've I've come to realize be, this be doing this every year I've gotten more and more away from being a fan of a certain team and just yeah. being a fan of the game I enjoy the game way more now. And I don't get, like, I was actually texting Yancey, name drop. Um, we, we were texting about it, and he was just, you know, I was like, hey, I am, like, legitimately, I know how invested he is in the Rays and how much, like, this loss, like, hurt him. And I'm like, and we were just talking about, it, I'm like, dude, you know, you have, he realized he has no control over the games, but, and he felt like just being so invested really took a lot out of him. And I'm like, I get that, but I haven't been that way in years. Like, when the Marlins lost, I was like, I was like, oh, that sucks. But I wasn't like upset about it because it's almost like I've gotten so used to just taking my fan side of things out of the out of it all and just looking at the game as a whole now. And I've realized I don't really like, as much as I'm like I am a Marlins fan. Like I root for them when, compared to anybody else, but I'm not like super like super fan anymore. Does that make any sense? Yeah. So that's where I'm at with it. So it's like I watch this World Series just enjoying it. Rosa, if anybody didn't know who Rosarena is. If he never does another thing in the major leagues, he will never be forgotten for the for this like whole like what he did, you know what I mean? It was fantastic. 10 home runs, broke the record, broke the record for most hits, most hits by a rookie. Um there's another one. He had like all these records for the postseason and it was just so impressive what he did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. Uh, just doing this over the last few years has just given me a, just a greater appreciation overall for for the game. So uh, I was just hoping for a good series. And I, I think we got that. I mean, especially man, game four was incredible. That was one of the best ending endings that I've seen to a game. It's just, uh, it's, cra- it's crazy. So to me, fun. Could you imagine if the Rays were even a middle of the pack spending team, like how good they could be? Like if they would go out, cause the pitching held up pretty well. It was the hitting that just never came through for them. Imagine if they went out and spent just middle of the pack money. You know, I think they were like one of the bottom two or three teams in the league in payroll. Imagine if they spent just mid mid range payroll. You know what I mean? They could be yeah. they could be such a good team, and they are good now. So imagine if they actually brought in some quality hitters this year. So that's gonna be a team I'm gonna watch. Just like the Marlins, I think the Marlins are a few veteran pieces away from really, you know, putting up another fight to make the postseason again. So just teams like that, I'm really intrigued to see what they do. Cause you know, a guy like Tommy Stella, although the Rays don't need him, it's like a perfect Rays player, you know, just stuff like that. So we'll see where they land and all that. But uh, ultimately I forgot where I was going with this, with the Rays. There was something I wanted to talk about the world series. However, I guess we can move on. Cause there was a talking point. Oh, the Snell thing. I remember now. Mm-hmm. Put your manager hat on. You're you're the you're the you're the coach of that team. Do you take out Blake Snell right there? I don't. I don't take out Blake Snell. I I think I give him at least the next batter. You and know, if, if it's if it's Mookie and he he Mookie gets on or gets a hit, I mean, then I, I live with that and I take him out. But 
I think the way he was pitching, yeah, the way he was pitching, he's only at 73 pitches. I mean, I, I, I leave him in there. Uh, I know analytics, like they, they got him, they got the Rays where they were at at that point, but it's just a different animal. And in, in, when you're talking about an elimination game, you know, and whether Snell was the, you know, whether it was time to pull him or not, I mean, to bring in Nick Anderson, who had been struggling and that's uh, the big to, thing It's who they brought with the in. runner on. Yeah, with the runner on, facing the top of the order, you know, it just, I don't think that made much sense to me. I, I think you take your chance with the guy who's been, you know, shoving the whole game. Uh, so I, 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 I think I take my chance with there with Snow. Yeah. And and honestly, I will be on the side of um, analytics nine times out of ten. But this is one of those times where you're watching that game, you're seeing utter dominance, one hit or whatever, one base runner, whatever. That that shouldn't be enough to pull this guy. You let this guy pitch it, pitch through it. At least, like you said, one more batter. If and it, don't be wrong, it's Mookie Betts, but it didn't matter because they obviously gave up the runs anyway. Like Seager, Seager at the what the RBI, whatever it was, or something like that, and then Betts hit the home run off Fairbanks, I believe it was. But that's the thing you have to remember. This was Game Six. There was no more tricks. They were, you know, they've seen the bullpen. They know who you have coming out. Right. There was there was no surprises. Seeing Blake Snell third time through the lineup might have been the bigger surprise than going to your bullpen. So, like, there's just so much to go into it. Obviously, we're Monday morning quarterbacking it, and heck, we're not managers of a league. We're not analytics people. I get analytics say it was the right move, and maybe it was nine times out of ten. But I think this is one of those moments where you let the pitcher pitch. You let him. He is like you said. He's shoving, man. You just let him keep doing it. I don't know. It's just one of those things. It'll be it'll be one of the bigger what ifs for a while yeah. until something else happens. But you know what? What if Turner didn't get COVID or come back out with COVID? Maybe we wouldn't be talking about COVID. We'd be able to celebrate the Dodgers for they did. But we talked about them enough. We can get into the the catcher talk. Because oh, and I would say let's talk about some signings or some some drops or cuts, or whatever. We have so many good players getting cut. So many players with free agents. Oh, like, man. So many it's gonna be brutal. Well, it's because I think teams know next year is going to be a really bad like holdout year, probably for the whole you know negotiations. Or no, not next year, but two years from now. Like, but next year also might be shortened due to um, COVID again. You don't know. We don't know this yet. We don't know what's going right. to happen. So much uncertainty. That's the thing. So teams know this. I think teams are trying to get players on discounts. Plus, between that between the uncertainty of twenty twenty one and then twenty twenty two, the negotiations. There's a lot of question marks. That's why I think we saw players take uh, take. Remember last se- last off season, players were just signing quickly. This off season, mm-hmm. I almost wonder if players are going to just end up going into the season unsigned. Like I'm concerned, like they won't get their what they're worth. Right. Like the, Col- like the Colton Wong. Like you're trying to tell me Colton Wong isn't worth 12 million in today's game. That defense alone is absurd. He's going to win a Gold Glove again, and yeah. he's and he's not. He got declined for a twelve million dollar option, which is like probably league average at this point, give or take. Yeah, no, it, it is right around there. Yeah, I mean, and then you see uh, Corey Kluber and Brad Hand. Um, Brad Hand got ten million dollar option denied or something stupid. Yeah, it's it's the owners being crazy greedy, crying poor. I can't I can't get behind that man. It's so aggravating. I just don't understand it. Like, help me understand it. We're going to see a lot more too, man. We're going to see a lot of guys, uh, non-tendered uh, contracts. So it's, yeah, it's going to be wild. 
Yeah. All right. I said we wouldn't do this. We're doing it. Okay. Let's move on. Catchers. <laughs> so for those who don't know, anybody who's interested, I, I'm trying to think is at Smada plays fantasy, or I'm going to find his actual Twitter handle. Anybody who listens to this podcast, probably listens to other podcasts. So they know at Smada underscore BB. Um, he compiles the ADP for the two early mocks. The two early mocks are some of the best, like some of our better ADP data. It's probably the only real ADP data available to us. As far as like from a mass amount of like players and like fantasy analysts, because they usually have they want people who are fantasy like in industry writers, podcasters, whatever involved. We all were involved. We never talked about our teams again. We we're way behind the eight ball. We didn't talk about our teams. We didn't talk about our picks. We didn't even talk about our leagues. But we will review the ADP in a way that allows us to review the positions early on because this is going to be our early position previews. And I hope I apologize for getting a little for being a little delayed on this because now that we're like twelve minutes in. But we're getting started. At the very top is JT Romuto. Is there any issue with that? <laughs> like he's a free agent though. Does he like are we gonna see him sign before? You know what I mean? Is he gonna sign? Is he gonna get the money he's wanting? There's a lot of unknowns with that. Right. Um now someone like JT Romuto, I just I can't imagine not getting picked up. Uh, hopefully, you know, ideally we'd like to see him right back there in, in Philadelphia. So we will see. But right now his ADP is at forty seven. Um Point six, uh, 11 home runs, four steals. He was just as awesome a- as ever. You know, I mean, career high 225 ISO, career high 13% barrel rate. Seems like maybe he sold out a little bit for power uh, there in that uh, ballpark. But I mean, yeah, he, he's right there at the top. I personally, I've never owned Real Mewtwo and I've never really been one to draft catchers high. Uh, I could see it like, at least for me. Like uh, in a shallower league, I got, I guess I'm more inclined to do it. Uh, but yeah, I don't know where where are you at? I guess with with Romuto, are you kind of on the camp of you know taking him at, at this point? Well, you have a high pick of 32, a low of 60, so and the ADP falls at 47.6. And I've realized something. Another tangent time with Mike. Yay! Um, <laughs> This is first off. Let's talk about this is a fifteen team league with two catchers, so the ADP might be a little skewed. Like JT Muto might be closer to that low pick of sixty in a traditional twelve teamer in a traditional one catcher league. You know what I mean? So some yeah. ADP, you just keep in mind, won't apply to your leagues. Second, I've realized my mindset has gone towards these types of leagues because I play in a lot of these leagues now, mm-hmm. and. I know the average listener, the average person plays in 12 teamers or less. So I'm, we are, I just want to make sure that, you know, as uh, somebody talking about this stuff, we're going to try to cater to all formats here. So some of the stuff we say, we'll try to make sure we keep that in mind as we talk about, but I just wanted to bring that up because I forget that sometimes I'm guilty myself because I've turned more to the 15 team type of leagues because as you play, as you do more like this, I told you, I, I wrote, I've written up already written up 40 catchers. That's overkill for majority of the types of leagues. These are the leagues that you need to know 40 catchers deep because these mm-hmm. are leagues that you're taking two catchers and then you got to know who could be the next man up if there's injuries and stuff. And one of my guys here actually won. Oh, his 80, he's the 22nd catcher off the board. We'll talk about him later, but he's one of my guys I'm targeting late in drafts at the catcher position. Anyway, but getting back to JT Romuto, now that I'm done with tangent time, I'm not paying that price for him. Sure, he offers a, pretty much five category upside. You know, he offers a few steals. I, I won't take him at this price, but if he falls close to that low pick, that's 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 a little more intriguing. That's more that's a little more appealing. That's something I can accept. Was the sixtieth pick is what the fifth round in twelves, and like fourth round in fifteens basically. 
Mm-hmm. Late, end of the uh, end of the third, early fourth. I can maybe see that in twelves. I can see that as a fifth round pick. Couldn't I don't know if I could do it in the fourth with the fourth fourth round pick. And a lot of it just goes back to being uncertain, not just the price, but also the uncertainty of playing, uh, of where he's playing. But we do know he is great. We know he's the best. There's no denying that. But how do you feel about Will Smith of the Dodgers? He's ranked second here. We saw him mash. Everything about it seems real. The dude was hitting in the middle of the lineup, I think, in the playoffs as well. So it's like, does he stick in the middle of the lineup? Does he move back down? And they move Bellinger back up? Questions to be answered. Dodgers are the Dodgers. But where are you at with Will Smith? Yeah, so, I mean, I think the biggest difference we saw here is just the massive improvement in his play discipline. You know, that just jumps right off the page there. Uh, 14.6% walk rate, 16% strikeout rate. I mean, that's a huge, huge improvement um, over last season. So uh, I don't think he's going to hit 289. Uh, I, the, the power is real, but he, he puts the ball in the air too much. I, I think, um, you know, the launch angle did go up. He's not a 289 hitter, I think, but maybe he could be, you know, 260 and with power in that lineup. I, I like it. Uh, 110.9 this is ADP. This isn't really the range where I'm looking at catcher. Uh, yeah. But as far as Will Smith as the number two catcher, I, I buy that. Yeah, I've actually posted a poll about this. And it's funny because he's actually my number four catcher. And mm-hmm. people are like, well, what's the like, here's the thing. This is why I do tiers because I do value him similarly to the next two guys in this ADP. I believe the next two guys in the ADP. No, I actually don't have one of these guys. Anyway, I value Wilson Contreras and Salvador Perez similarly to Will Smith. They're in a tier by themselves for me. I can already tell you that. I'm confident telling you my top four of those four guys, JT mm-hmm. Romuto and those three, but Romuto being kind of in a tier of his own and then these three. What puts him forth is the simple fact that we saw that they were willing to pretty much play Will Smith and Austin Barnes, giving Austin Barnes really regular playing time. And mm-hmm. that takes away from Will Smith. And that's the difference. Like, those at-bats, that's the difference between him and Wilson Contreras and Sal- and Sal- Salvador Perez. I can't even say his name. Those guys aren't going to get that same type of treatment. They're going to get their days off, but not nearly as many. So the production's there. Plus, I buy into them being slotted into the middle of their lineups, at least right away, compared to Will Smith, who I think will end up there if he can show that this wasn't a fluke. But I don't see them not not giving Bellinger another chance. Uh, maybe I mean Turner is leaving or possibly leaving, so there's a lot of moving parts there. But I want to see how they. But just knowing how the Dodgers treat their players, I think Will Smith is already capped on a ceiling that the other two don't necessarily have that same cap too. But I am with you. I mean, we saw that, like you said, the the great the improvement on the play discipline is fantastic. And the double-digit walk rate, I think you mentioned it was like 14.2%. It's actually something he has like done in the past. Like If you look back at his minor league track record, those are that's kind of what he did. He was known for the good on-base skills. So OBP, OBP formats, he is somebody worth you know definitely probably taking second overall. So you got to know your format. The K rate, it like you said, it corrected. I think it was down 10.4%, but I wouldn't expect it to sustain there. So I think the Ks, that, that's yeah. where you're bad. So if the, if the Ks do take a little bit of a hit, because 16.1% is elite. And the fact that he basically struck out as much as he walked is really, really tough to do on any year. So a little bit of correction is probably going to be happening there. And like you said, so that when the correction comes with the strikeouts, it'll probably come at that batting average's expense. You'll see the batting average dip a little bit, not a ton, but a little bit giving him that 260, 270 you mentioned. So overall, I really like Will Smith. That's my long-winded way of saying I really like him, but it comes down to playing time when you're getting between him and these next few guys. And I think his playing time is capped, and that leaves his ceiling a little lower 
with a similar floor as the other as the other two I mentioned. So that's my yeah. reasoning. That's my thought process there. Yeah, I can see that for sure. I mean, I, I guess you'd like them a, a lot better if the NL keeps a DH next year, but I mean, that's well, still maybe be, not. To be it's the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah, it's still the Dodgers. <laughs> they had it this year, and I honestly, I, I'm going to look it up real quick while we're talking about. It, but I don't think he DH. I don't know if he DH this year. To be honest. Yeah, and you know, looking at his numbers now, I didn't realize um, you know that strikeout rate went right back up to 32 percent in the playoffs. He had 137 plate appearances in the regular season, then 75 in the playoffs, and uh, had a 32 percent strikeout rate. So, I'm I mean, we'll see. It, it, oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, I'm really good at cutting you off. It's been a while. You know what? I'm gonna do it. Look at his minor league <laughs> track, and all we have is his minor league track record and his short yeah. stint in 2019. It's always been in the mid 20s, you know. Sometimes in the high teens, I would bank it close. Like the 32, I don't think it'll be that bad. But if no. it's like closer to that 26.5 percent that we saw in 2019, that seems realistic. And mm. I, it's just will he sustain the walks? So that's kind of where I'm at. Like I think the OBP is a real thing. I'm surprised. I mean, it dipped in the playoffs too, but I don't know. I think there's, I, I, I just I. I'm afraid to draft him as a second catcher, so I probably won't have any shares because I do have my reservations. And to buy anybody, like you're going to hear us buying people, and we're probably dumb for doing it, but to truly buy anybody based off of a 40, 50 game sample, whatever they played this year, 60 game sample, like Will Smith right. only, Will Smith, didn't, he only played 37 games in the regular season, 18 in the playoffs, so he barely played 60 as a whole. Like he'd made it there, but. Barely, no, he didn't make it there. I lied. He didn't even make it to 60 games this year. I can't do math. No, he didn't. Okay. <laughs> he did not make it to 60 <laughs> games this year. And I forgot what was I looking I was looking to see if he DH'd. I'm going to guess he didn't DH if he only played uh, 37 games in the regular season. It should show. I think it only shows him playing catcher in 2019. One game at third base in, 20, uh, in 2019, I mean, 2020, he only played catcher. Sorry, the third base thing really uh, intrigued me there. But, yeah, anyway, so, yeah, see, the playoffs – and, like, are people just going to ignore the playoff stats? They played right. the best They played the best teams, you know what I mean? So, when that – I mean, obviously, he's not going to play the best teams every time, but it's still an indication of the, how the lows can – he could be like next year's Mitch Garver, which I think yeah. Mitch Garver is kind of due for bounce back, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if he can if he can get that strikeout rate, like if it settles in around twenty two to twenty four percent, like he can absolutely, <laughs> right? Yeah, he can absolutely like kind of repeat what he did in twenty nineteen, hitting two fifty three, maybe you know in between there and two sixty, um, with that power. So we'll see. I, I do like Will Smith. Uh, I just like I said, this is not a spot where I'm typically looking at catcher. Do you prefer him over Salvador Perez or Wilson Contreras? I do prefer him over um, Sal Perez. Ooh, okay, uh, and then, we can talk about it because we don't agree. Yeah, yeah. So do you have Perez as your second catcher? Yeah, right now I do. Right mm-hmm. now. Again, we talked about ranks are really early. That's why it's like I won't officially put ranks out. But if yeah. I was ranking them today, I'm taking Sal Perez second. And I, I can go into why, but I'm usually long-winded. So if you want to go into why, you're fading them first. Maybe I can talk you into loving them. Right, so uh, he's going at 120. So this is just good transition. We're just going right into Sal Perez. He's going yeah, he's at 120.3, right? Yeah, and f- for me, I mean, just he had 333, 11 home runs, um, same amount of games as, as Will Smith, 37 games. 
But that plate discipline and the BABIP just screams regression. You know, one point that, you know, career low walk rate, 1.9%, 23% uh, strikeout rate would be a career high with a 375 BABIP. I mean, he's not going to be running, you know, fast anytime soon. He's not going to get any speed to have a 375 BABIP. I mean, he's a career, you know, his track record is uh, of his BABIP is right around like 270 to 280. So, I mean, I don't know. For for me, uh, I, I'm I'd rather take the chance on a on a younger guy like Will Smith or even Wilson Contreras. I, I I would have Perez right now. Just looking at it, I think I'd have him as my fourth catcher. Okay, time for me to make my case here. So a few notable changes. This is a tweet I'm reading just because I'm too lazy to pull up the actual numbers. <laughs> um, I I actually just tweeted about Sal Perez. He the big thing for me. He opened up his stance this year. If you look at his 2017 stance, the 2018 stance, he looks a little more crouched, a little more, and he's definitely more open. But with the change in a stance came a change in a launch angle. The launch angle decreased. With it came career best barrel rates and sweet spot percentage. So that helps sustain some of the in- increase in batting average. He doesn't walk. The dude does never. He never takes a pitch. But mm-hmm. this is that's normal for him. You go look at his walk rates; they're always really low. With his strikeout rates never being terrible. So he makes a good amount of contact. But anyways, with the change in launching, not only came the better quality of contact, but then you had an increase in in, uh, line drive, in in his line drive rate, which, again, will help sustain the bat, but will help sustain some of the batting average gains. If he's putting the ball, you know, as the line drives more than fly balls, that plays better to that type of, you know, skill set. And then... But then he also decreased his pop-up rate and under-rate. So, again, that makes sense. You decrease the long angle, you're not going to get under the ball as much more than likely. And that seems to be the case, which, again, allows him to likely barrel up the ball. And So it all kind of goes hand-in-hand, essentially saying all of it's working. And then to further help with the BABIP, again, he's not going to hit the BABIP. Like, you're right. You're not wrong about the BABIP concerns. But he hit to more, he hit more to, the, all, to all fields last year, too. So, again, just further changing his approach, changing the way he attacks the ball – it can help you believe that the batting average is better than what it is. And maybe the, maybe he's not going to sell it. Maybe he's been selling out for power and won't this year. And that's okay. Give me a guy who's more four categories than three, but a big, my big selling point for president, even if he reverts back to the power first guy with the, with the iffy batting average, he's going to play every day. Cause he will D de- they showed a willingness to DH him to give it like to keep his bat lineup. And, and he bats third or fourth in that lineup and he could play first base here and there. Mm-hmm. So there's just like he's got all that going for him. That's where he gains the extra value. gives gives for me gives me the gives him the edge to be my number two catcher because even with regression, he still is going to be a solid catcher. And I think he's safe to be top five at the position. But the playing time and the and the upside is there. Even at 30 years old, we saw the upside there. 31, wherever he is, because again, the willingness to DH him alone, keeping that bat lineup is such a big deal. I'm going to reiterate it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. I'll get off my. It would have been really interesting to see with these changes how you know he would have kept it up over a full season. Because mm-hmm. I mean, it's it seems to me like Perez has always been the kind of guy who starts off really good and then just kind of tails off as the season goes on. Always been like a a hot out the gates kind of guy and then kind of slows down. Uh, I don't know if it's, you know, fatigue because of how much the Royals, you know, actually use him. Um, But they work them. Yeah. 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 Uh, So it would have been really interesting for me. I, I just, I don't know. I mean, if, like I said, career low uh, walk rate, career high strikeout rate. The contact numbers went down too. If he's making better, you know, uh, if he has better batted ball quality, that's that's great, you know. And and I think that 
it can help him maintain, you know, kind of what he's always been. And maybe what he's always been, yeah, is a safe top five catcher. And that's perfectly fine. But I think, I just think that, uh, yeah, I'm taking my chance with like Will Smith and Wilson Contreras. I I get it. That's why I honestly do put those three together for that reason because I can I can understand valuing them similarly. But again, it comes down to what's the tiebreaker here for me? It's playing time, and I just know yeah. I know Sal Perez is getting it. That's you know what I mean. Like you know it's it's coming unless he gets hurt. They they like to even the new manager ran him into the ground as long as he was healthy. Like it didn't matter. Like that was an old was it Ned Yost thing that would pretty much play him every day. And now who's over there now? Um, oh, I forgot who Matheny. Yeah, Matheny kind of did the same thing. But, again, they let him play – they let him DH and play first base. He actually played three games at first base, I looked. Yeah. So, so <laughs> that, like, my point is, is they keep – they make a point to keep him in the, in the lineup, and that's very valuable for a catcher because, you know, most catchers aren't playing. Like, that's that's part of the appeal for JT Romuto. You know, he plays almost every day. So that's kind of where I'm at with him. Wilson Contreras, we both agree, belongs in this tier. We both rank him the same, even though we have a different number four and number two. We both kind of th- look at him as that number three guy. Mm-hmm. Contreras, he's just kind of always there, and people just have this perceived ceiling. And at, and, at, and, at, and at age 28, it is still there, but we may need to accept this is kind of who he is by now. He's going to give you at least a 250 batting average, give or take 20 home runs. Like You know you're getting that. There's there's always a chance for more. He did have a career best hard hit rate and sweet spot percentage, and this came with a launch angle change as well. He increased it to 9.1 degrees, so maybe the power will actually improve along with you know added um, quality of of at bats. So there's there's some good things there, but I feel like he's always just gonna be that guy that never like, he has yet to hit the ceiling. I'm afraid he's just never gonna hit it. But even the floor is really good type of thing maybe he should be our number two guy (laughs) right right so for me like exactly like you said like i i look at you know what he did this year and there's not a whole lot that looks different you know than from his uh from his career so for yeah i'm uh, i'm looking at him as just kind of the same guy and we skipped one like he's the number five catcher per adp so let's just to recap jt romuto will will smith sal perez and then we skipped number four, and number five was Wilson Contreras. Number four is Yasmani Grandal. I am surprised to see him go this high. His ADP was 138.6, so the ADP is fine. Honestly, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. I'd rather have Contreras two picks later because that's all it is. Mm-hmm. But do people not realize that Grandal lost a lot of playing time last year because he wasn't playing first base for this team, and he wasn't DHing? Like, Edwin, Edwin did both. Edwin played, uh, Edwin was DHing, not playing first base. Edwin DH, though. And then so Edwin playing DH, you had, um, what's his face playing first? Um, Abreu, obviously. Mm-hmm. And although we did see Grendel DH at times, I still feel like he wasn't getting nearly the at bats he was getting in, in Milwaukee. And that was kind of one of the main concerns of him coming into 20, uh, 2020, right? So am yeah, I yeah. I mean, they still have James McCann, who was, you know, Doing excellent well, yeah. again, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, Grandall, I, for me, uh, I think he's. In the I think next I, tier. <laughs> yeah, for me, he's kind of in that next tier, and I think I, I might rather have uh, Travis Darno. Uh, it depends on where Darno goes. Yeah, he is a free agent as well. I thought I thought he had one more year. Did he? With, I thought, uh, I Atlanta. 
Maybe he does. I thought he was a free agent. I will go. I'm gonna go look at roster resource. Let's see. Uh, yeah. So he does have one more year with that lineup. So even better. You're right. You're right. So for me, I'm. I'm actually. I think I'd rather have uh, Darno. I'm gonna have to revisit that one. My thing about it's just so hard because Grandall did still put up 46 games like at catcher, so that's still like, yeah. a good amount. But he is what he is. He he's hit what. Two, in the last three years, 247, 241, 246, and then 230 last year. Right. You know, the, you know the power's coming, but why would you take, say, 240 and 25 over any of the other four guys we just mentioned? And the fact that he's going over Con- Contreras doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand it. Right, yeah. <laughs> like I, I mean, you like the lineup. You, you know that, um, like you said, he's going to probably hit 240. Power's going to be there. He's in a good lineup. He still walks a ton, so you like that. I was going to say, OBP leagues and points leagues, he's still your guy. Although, right. we see the strikeouts really spike this year at almost 30%. Just south yeah, of 30%. I, I, I'm just, I'm not too sure how much I'm going to, like, how much weight I'm going to put on, on that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think, I think I'd still, I mean, you look at Travis Darno. we can go ahead into number six, too. Yeah. 152.7. I, I really like Travis Darno. He's shown now back-to-back seasons. I mean, you put last season and this season together over his last 147 games, uh, you know, 25 home runs. I, I mean, he Darno has been great. He, he's, he was hitting, what, like fifth in the Atlanta lineup more times yeah, than not? Ended, yeah, he ended up moving into, like, the middle of the order, which now has no Ozuna, at least as of right now. So that could be, like, something that sticks as long as they don't sign anybody else. Which we've yeah. seen Atlanta be kind of, kind of, uh, like like what's the word? I guess cheap's a word for it. <laughs> we've seen him be kind of cheap <laughs> with the money, so that is something to uh, keep in mind. But yeah, I do think he's. I I think we saw. Like, you can go continue with your. Uh, sorry, you can continue with your pro Darno take here. Yeah, I just think that uh, he he's in a prime spot in in Atlanta there and just. You know, based on the cost, I think. I mean, he's going about 14 picks later. Yeah, I think I'd rather have Darno. Uh, he 57.8 percent hard hit rate. I mean, he just did awesome. He's I not going to hit 321. So I looked into him a little bit as well, and maybe my eyes or maybe I'm a little blind, but I swear I saw a small tweak in the mechanics, somewhere like in the stance or in the in the. I think it was maybe it was a leg raise. I meant to put a video about it. I never posted a video of him, of course. I'm pretty sure there's one there, and you go find it again. But with it again, another guy who dec- changed his launch angle. He actually decreased it. Um, he actually, and usually when you decrease the launch angle, people get all concerned. But people might be transitioning from power first to maybe playing more towards the batting average because you decrease the launch angle, you're gonna have less swing and miss in your game in theory because you're not getting under the ball as much, right? You're, you're gonna make more contact. He had career best, like you mentioned, the career best hard hit rate, career best sweet spot percentage, and a career best barrel rate. Again, small sample, but it all makes sense. If you're hitting the ball that hard, it's because the quality of contact has gone up, and mm-hmm. the quality—it's all gone up with a change in swing, a change in um, launch angle. So he's getting just better quality. He's getting better quality uh, contact on there while giving up, probably giving up some. And he—I mean, the power didn't go away, but he was giving up the whole selling out for power, is what it looked like. And he also increased line drive. So again, it goes back to the whole just doing it that the like, kind of the Sal Perez method. He's also yeah. – another thing he did was kind of a, uh, be more aggressive with first pitches. He actually increased his first pitch swing rate as well. 
So that could also play into why he had some success. A little change in approach and uh, a change in mechanics, put it all together, and sometimes you get these results. And somebody, like, like you mentioned, there's a larger sample of him succeeding now. I still want to see more, but I'm willing to take the chance with him over Grandall just for upside. Because, yeah, although Grandall's safe, I think you can get better players behind him to fall, like to fall back, like like I'm willing to skip on Grandall at his price, and even honestly Darno. And there's more guys we'll talk about in a little bit here, mm-hmm. but because um, there's just guys behind him that offer similar upside. I think that holy crap, he's not even going in the top twelve. Okay, well now he's gonna be a must a must bring up person. Did, did I miss him? Oh, okay, he's in top twelve. About to say, <laughs> but uh, there's a couple guys we'll get to a little later that I'm willing to pass on both of these guys for. But before we get to those guys, there is a name here at number seven that should not be here probably would not be here if we were drafting today. That's Gary Sanchez at 169.1. Are you done with chasing Gary Sanchez's upside at this point? Um, at this price? <laughs> I I don't oh, think so. Oh, you're back in, you sucker. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> we're talking, yeah, we're talking 169. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I, I did. I did see that the Yankees will be sending him to the Dominican. Uh, is it the Dominican Winter League? Oh, to get some extra bats because he's yeah. terrible. <laughs> right. So I think it's him, Andujar, and uh, Domingo Herman are going to be playing this winter. So we'll see if you know he can make some changes. But yeah, it's just so odd. You know that contact has just been deteriorating over the last few years. We we know he's you know he still hits the the ball like incredibly hard 10 home runs you know he still put up 10 home runs this year and you know the stat cast the hard hit rate and, and barrel percent is still up there 17 percent barrel rate 50 percent hard hit rate anymore right question the power it's i mean we're talking my, my big thing my big concern we saw a willingness from them to move on from him in the playoffs yeah we saw higashio i can't even say his name Hig- higashioka Hig- higashioki uh man we saw him like I'm looking at the Rays, the Rays series, and we saw him kind of get the run there. He pretty much played every day. Like that, that's kind of concerning in the playoffs. They're willing to change. They were willing to change off their everyday catcher for you know for the backup. Sanchez yeah. played one out of four, one out of five. Yeah, I knew it was a big deal. Like yeah, he played one out of five games in that series. And that was the most recent track record. And I'm kind of looking at trends like that. You know, I'm doing these articles and I haven't gotten to the AL East yet. But, yeah, I knew. I remember seeing that and hearing about it. And just to re, you know, I'm reaffirming it now by looking at these lineups. And I'm like, it's crazy to me. Like, mm-hmm. he did play in the Indians in the Indians series. He was a starter. But still, the fact that they said, you know what, enough's enough. No, he didn't even start the whole time there because I'm looking at Higashioka again. I'm probably yeah. saying his name bad. My point is, is I'm con- <laughs> my point is, is like, and at this point I'm rambling. I'm just concerned about his playing time when they were so willing to just take go away from him in the playoffs when it mattered the most. Now in the regular season, would they let him play through his struggles? Sure, they did this year, but dude, the guy's been bad. Yeah, like, bad, bad. Like, I, I it, this is one of those situations where I'll probably have to wait till spring. Uh, if I'm drafting today, I'm probably not touching Gary Sanchez, but. If we hear good things out of, you know, the Winter League and he's looking okay this spring and the Yankees are giving every indication that he's going to be the catcher and they'll give him a chance, then maybe I jump back in at this price. But if we hear all that, 
he's probably not getting drafted here. You know, he's probably going 30 picks, you know, earlier. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I might not have I'm much out. Gary Sanchez. Right. Because, and here's here again, I found another fun tweet I put out a while ago because I know I'm like, I know I did something. You mentioned these trends. Here's here's some trends for you. Gary Sanchez truthers four straight seasons with an increase in, in strikeout rate. Mm-hmm. Two of the last three, he has hit for under 200 at, for in terms of batting average. Um, just hit under 200. I like, guess I'll have to say, but under 200 batting average, two straight seasons with a decline in zone contact, meaning how much he's making contact in the zone, three straight years with a decline in overall contact rate and three straight seasons with a decline in swinging strike rate and whiff rate. So basically he's making less contact, more swing and miss the strikeouts are, which explains the strikeouts from going up, the batting average going down. And yet he's still being drafted top 10 at his position because catcher is such a cesspool. But dude, like, why would you rather have Gary Sanchez than Sean Murphy right now? Than even oh, Baltimore dude. Show? Yeah. Yeah. Sean Murphy's like, my guy. So we haven't gotten yes. there yet, but I love I know, Sean but, Murphy. <laughs> but but my point is, is I'd rather take a shot on Sean Murphy or, or Varsho at this exactly. point, especially given the prices. And I'd rather be, because honestly, I can, if, if he hits 35 and 240, that's a win. Don't get me wrong, but that that that, that skill set that you're hoping for doesn't even have value anymore because you're finding it everywhere else these days. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm getting at. Like I understand his skill set is valuable, but how valuable is it when it's just so easily available off the waiver wire, late in drafts, Kyle Schwarber types? You know what I mean? Like it's just not special anymore. So why are we still clamoring and like holding on to this hope that Sanchez could be something so great when? He might just be Joey Gallo of catchers. Yeah. So I'm I'm off my soapbox. Like I gotta stop. <laughs> I gotta stop being so anti-Gary. I feel bad, but man, I just can't get behind him at seventh overall. And another guy I can't buy into is going eighth overall at one ninety six point two on average. Christian Vasquez. He keeps defying logic. I don't get right. it. <laughs> you look at his numbers and nothing makes sense. I don't know how he's doing it. Every yeah. If you believe in Statcast, if you believe in analytics, you look at his things and you're just like, "What?" And the BABIP spiked this year, and that's without having like a plus power tool or a plus speed tool. And he's able to steal bases, but he shouldn't. And yes, he does hit to all uh, all fields, which will aid BABIP. But like, I don't know what's exp- like how he's doing it. Plus, he has a sixty percent or less success rate in stolen bases each of the last two seasons. How how often are the Red Sox going to keep letting them run? Maybe because they need to manufacture runs. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But usually when you have success rates that bad, teams stop giving you the green light. But I do expect chip and steals nonetheless. And if mm-hmm. he's obviously defying he's obviously defying the numbers and the metrics, maybe we just kind of have to accept it for what it is and just say, hey, this is who he is now. I just have a hard time because nothing seems to truly be there to back any of it up. Right, okay. right, yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm with you it's just weird because i mean he's done it now you know back-to-back seasons where he's been just solid you know chipping in four steals for the last three seasons um you know hit 283 now he was he was much better in the second half uh this year you know in september um you know he really the second half you mean one second half yeah a month you gotta, you gotta love this right <laughs> sucks. this is all we had but oh my god did we love it anyway yeah we're talking about a month here so yeah i mean I, it's it's like what more is there to say i mean you could break him down all you want but he's still 
just putting just up sol- solid steep solid seasons <laughs> and that's when you just gotta honestly go with the results you can't sometimes sometimes like there are players that do this and that's why people like get so caught up in the numbers and i'm guilty of it too but i've also gotten better at realizing sometimes the numbers won't give you the whole story they won't explain everything right and this is one of those situations but I don't know if I again. I'm not sure I'm taking him as the what the eighth catcher off the board because I'd rather have Austin Nola who's going ninth, Sean Murphy's going tenth, Dalton Varsho who's going eleventh. I'd rather take the chances on all three of those guys over Christian Vasquez. And the, like, <laughs> I don't know why, but that's where I'm at. But Austin Nola, what do you think about him? I mean, he's he went over to the Padres. Where I wasn't sure about his playing time, but it looks like you know they brought him over there over there to catch. Should be the catcher going into next year as well. Are you concerned about playing time given that they have so much depth there or do you right. think he's the guy? So like, I think I'd still rather have Vasquez just because playing time. I, I think the playing time is more secure. And with Austin Nola, I just don't know how much of it was kind of just a hot streak, like a one month kind of flash in the pan. I mean, he had three eighteen in August, five home runs, 25 played 25 games, but only hit two seventeen in September in 18 games had two home runs. Um, with the Padres. So I'm just not too sure, um, you know, with, with Nola, I, I think I'm still, I would rather have uh, Vasquez. So I don't think I'm going to have much Nola at all, just because I'm not sure how much I'm buying that just with the playing time concerns. And then again, I'm just not sure how much of that was just a one month kind of, you know, flash there. Cause he, he did struggle big time in September. Yeah. But I mean, I'm wondering how much of that is just chalk it up to him. Not, you know, new, new teams, new, new division, Un, like not seeing the pitchers, but but for the first time, stuff like you know, little things like that, stuff mm-hmm. you can't really, stuff you really can't see, like that might not show in the numbers, except for the bottom line, the fact that he struggled. But you know what I'm trying to say here. But then if you yeah. look at his, if you look at his 2019, he kind of did well all but one month. Like August was the only month he actually struggled, compared to if you look at the rest of them, he hit 267 or better. And 296 or better in three. He actually had 296 or better in three months. One month doesn't count. It was only five games he played. But yeah. you get my point. Oh, sorry. I lied. I, I can't do math. I looked at the first half. Okay, sorry. Let me restart this over. He hit 267 or better three times. I was right about that. But he hit over 300 for two months. Either way, he struggled for one month in the middle of August, like in the middle of the season. Okay, I wasn't wrong about I was only wrong about one thing. I looked at the first half numbers. He again struggled in the second half, all but not terribly. He hit two sixty five with nine home runs. Either way, my point is is that I think he might just be streaky, might be part of his his skill set. Mm-hmm. I understand the apprehension, so I can get behind you fading him. Like I'm cool with that. Like I don't want to fade him though, but I'm okay with fading him because again, it's look who's going around him. But Austin Nola or Christian Vasquez, they're going to be in that same tier for me. I'm probably yeah. going to go back and forth. Spring training will decide how I rank these two. 100%. Spring training is going to decide. Spring training, any news? Because on top of yeah, Vasquez might hit better in the lineup, but then Nola is part of the better lineup. So, But Vasquez might play more. But Nola might, like, who knows? Will they utilize Nola? Like, maybe when he gets to the off of a catcher, if he's, if he's hitting well, will he DH if there's a DH in the NL? Will he yeah. go? Will he move over to first base? Like he can play other positions to keep his bat lineup as well. But I think again, always for me with catchers it goes down to playing time and stolen bases are a big deal. Vasquez kind of gives you a little more of that of both of those. So I think just by talking to you about this, talking this out, I might lean Vasquez. But it is closer for me than it is for you. Sounds like. But 
we can talk about the guy we both love here, number 10, at 204.6. But before we do, let's recap real quick. JT Ramuto won at 47.6. Will Smith was ranked uh, as the second catcher off the board at 110.9 on average. Sal Perez at 120.3 is number three. Number four is Yasmani Grandal at 138.6. Number five is Wilson Contreras at 140. Number six is one uh, at 152 overall on average is uh, Travis Darno. Number seven at 169.1 is Gary Sanchez. Number eight, I don't know why I read every one of these verbatim, 196.2, Christian Vasquez. Number nine, 200 overall, Austin Nola. You know what? Early, early episodes are like our spring training. We're working out the kinks. I haven't taught, I haven't hosted in a while. I'm just working right. through it. Yeah. That's what, yeah. That's what it is. Exactly. <laughs> I picked two. I picked two hundred four point six. This is where I can see myself taking my first catcher because it's a guy we both really like in Sean Murphy. I will let you have the floor with Sean Murphy, the tenth catcher off the board. Yeah. So Sean Murphy really liked him coming into this year. Struggled big time to just right out the gate in August, but really started to get going in September. Um, he hit two seventy seven. Two seventy seven in September. Finished with seven home runs. You love the walk rate. Seventeen percent walk rate. Uh, and man, he just has a ton of power, uh, 97 mile per hour exit velocity on line drives and fly balls right in line with what he did in 2019 as well. Uh, I do know that, you know, there was talk that they, you know, Bob Melvin would have loved to get his bat higher up in the order. So maybe if the season goes on, we kind of see that, uh, I, I would love to see that. I think Sean Murphy is, you know, he's for me, he's perfectly fine as your first catcher here at 204. I think he's got a ton of power. Uh, probably going to be like a, you know, one of those 250 type hitters, not going to help you in, in average, but he's just going to be solid, you know, hitting for a ton of power. So I don't know what you have anything else to add here for Murphy. Yeah. I, just a few little things. Um, the, the, you mentioned the hard the hard hit rate. Oh, sorry. The exit velocity on line drives and fly balls. And it, it makes sense because he also barrels the ball up well. 83rd percentile mm-hmm. barrel rate at 12.7%. So you don't really find a lot of catchers that are able to barrel up the ball while putting it in the air much and while hitting it that hard. You know, it's just kind of not something common. And, again, you're drafting Gary Sanchez for like, and you're hoping that he hits as much, for as much contact as, as Murphy. I think Murphy doesn't have the ceiling for power because of the ballpark and all that. But I think there's a similar profile here with a, with a higher floor just a little less of a ceiling. And it's a big reason why I like him more than I like um, Sanchez. But then you also see some positive, like even though the strikeout rate kind of remained, remained the same. If you go look at the contact rates, there was just like, he made more contact across the board. So you got to think if the contact rates remain kind of, you know, sustained or even improve again, you'll see the strikeouts come down because that does like, you know, that just makes sense that you make more contact or strike out less. It's usually how it works. However, right. it did not it did not happen. But you mentioned a slow start probably is the reason why the K rate didn't have a full chance to actually come around. Either way, th- those are kind of the few little notes I wanted to add. But me, you and I are if we're in a league together, we're gonna be fighting over Sean Murphy. So yeah, <laughs> That's our first catcher because I'm I'm all about it. Yeah, to your point, he uh, dropped his swing and strike rate from twelve point one percent to nine point two percent. Just made more contact. He did swing less, so you know maybe some maybe. a lot of the strikeouts are you know, called strike threes. And um, maybe we see that. And it makes sense. It makes sense because of his walk rate being up to 17%. So, you mm-hmm. know, maybe next year we do see that strikeout rate come down a little bit and he settles into that 250, 255 range, um, you know, with that power he has. 
I, I like it. I like there's a lot to like here with Sean Murphy. Yeah, and I'm all about it. And the price makes sense too. It's a, it's all about price, opportunity, and potential. And he kind of checks all the boxes, and that's what I really like. I'm gonna use that. I need to make a T-shirt. Price, <laughs> opportunity, potential. The th- the the three P's of fantasy baseball. Oh, that's a th- that's P O P. I cannot. Wow, I'm tired. You know what? This is the couch I'm sitting on when I fell asleep. So, <laughs> and it's getting that time of the night for me. Um, and I picked up an extra shift tomorrow, so I'll be working. Anyway, no one cares about my life. Let's talk about these final two guys real quick. Um, we can kind of rapid fire them because I know we we want to talk about a couple other names and then we have questions to answer. So let's talk. Um, Sean Murphy. Sorry, we just talked. Let's talk to Dalton Varsho. <laughs> Sorry, Sean Murphy's number ten. Dalton Varsho's number eleven. Are you in on Varsho at this price? Two forty-seven on average. The eleventh catcher off the board. Yeah, I mean, two forty-seven. You know, he hit three home runs, three steals. He did play a lot of center field, so you like that. You like that. You know, he could get some playing time outside of catcher. He's going to be playing some outfield. So, uh, I, I do like uh, Dalton Varsho. I think maybe, you know, it was his first taste of the majors. Um, Maybe we see him progress and uh, that hit tool develops a little bit, but you, you like that, you know, power speed combo from the catcher spot, uh, much like, you know, maybe Vasquez and, and Real Muto. Uh, being a contributor there is, is valuable if you can chip in some steals. So yeah, I do like Dalton Varsho here. Oh, I, I love his skill set. I think you take him for the skill set. Hope the bag average isn't 230, but if it is, you deal with it because he can legitimately steal you 20 bags and play while playing catcher. And mm-hmm. that's not something you'll get from pretty much anyone else. And it's not fair because he really didn't play every day either to kind of find a groove. So I'm trying mm-hmm. to find like if the, I'm sure I think he played he played more towards the second half of the year slash end of the year as a whole. So maybe there's like a two week run of him being really solid. But regardless, I can give up the batting average here because I know I think he's I think he's gonna be a 15 home run 20 stolen base guy type of, at least. Like that's where I'm at with him. Yeah, and I think that batting average, I mean, that uh, strikeout rate could come down. I mean, he uh, had a 13.9% strikeout rate in, in double A in 2019, uh, 20% at high A in 2018. So, you know, maybe it just take him a little bit of time to develop there in the oh, majors. Yeah. But I do think that bat, that uh, strikeout rate will come down. And, yeah, I mean, I, I don't like to just say that, like, oh, he hit three home runs and stole three bases, so next year he can go 15-15. But I – think that's a legit outcome for Dalton Varsho. I mean, look at it in in 2018 um he combined for 12 home runs and 19 stolen bases between rookie ball and high A. And then in 2020, or sorry, 20, in 2019 he put up 18 and 21. So, yeah, that's a very real that's not it's not lazy analysis, it's legitimate. In 2017 mm-hmm. in 50 games at rookie ball, sorry, at low A, he put up uh 7 and 7. And the encouraging thing is, is, even if the strikeouts don't subside, walking at a 10% clip will get him on base enough to where he'll still be able to steal those bases. Yeah. So, like, I think the I think the stolen base floor is there, which is hard to find that catcher. I don't think he's going to stay catcher 11 for long. I think you're going to see him boost up to catcher 7, catcher 6, because people are going to be all about those stolen bases because stolen bases are going to drive prices this year. So if you're in a league like a points league – or an OBP league, or not even OBP, if you're in a points league, his skill set isn't nearly as valuable, so you can kind of skip on him. But in Roto or categories or stuff like that, he becomes way more valuable. He's a guy that's going to be like top. I want to say, why would I want Vasquez over him? Vasquez, sure, the batting average is a little better, but the, the stolen bases are definitely worse. And 
the counting stats won't be much better. And like, I don't know. It just, right. No, yeah. Varsho absolutely has the potential to be, you know, a a lot better. If you look at, I mean, you look at his minor league track record and he has Babips in the three thirties, three forties. Yeah. He's not a two forty six Babip kind of guy. You look at his batted ball profile and you know, he, he doesn't hit too many fly balls. So you expect that, you know, that Babbitt to come up significantly from the 246 and, mm-hmm. you know, that on, on top of, you know, maybe getting that strikeout rate down a little bit. And absolutely, you could see a 260 hitter and, you know, go 15-15 there in, in Arizona. And that's that'd be incredibly yeah. valuable. And it's a team that seems to have entered like a rebuild phase more than like more than it's like. I'm surprised because I thought they were kind of going for it, but then they kind of sold off some pieces. I don't know what they're doing, but I do know that they have Dalton Varsho there with no reason to give him a red light on the base pass and 86th percentile sprint speed, so you know it's plus speed, which again goes back to your Babbitt argument. And the last guy on this list, though, as we transition to the end of our top 12, James McCann, and I was very surprised at 248.9. I expected more of a discount in these early drafts. But people, you mentioned, he was really good this year in a part-time role, but he actually played more towards the end of the year. And he's going to likely sign as a starter somewhere else, you would think. But I still think, I, I think personally, without knowing where he's signing, without knowing for sure he's a starter, I can't take him as a top, top, a top 12 catcher. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, totally get that. I, I I do think that he will sign on to be a catcher, to be a starting catcher somewhere at two forty eight. I mean, I I don't mind taking him here at all. You know, since the beginning of twenty nineteen, he's hit two seventy six. He slashed two seventy six, three thirty four, four seventy four with twenty five home runs and five steals. Um, I mean, he does strike out quite a bit, but he's another guy who's got some speed, and you know, with the way he hits the ball, you can expect that Babbitt to you know, be favorable for the batting average. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I like James McCann a ton. It's going to be really interesting to see where he ends up. If he ends up back as a back, say what if he goes back to Chicago, just likes it there, enjoys his role. Maybe he'll get more DH with Encarnacion gone. Maybe that's something they promise him. I don't think I can like him there. It just, again, like it's like, so you yeah, draft, or, cause you're drafting early. Most people listening to this podcast are probably drafting early or they're just itching for fantasy baseball because let's be honest, it's not even November yet. Maybe right. it's by the time you're listening and then good for you. Like, I hope this helps, but it's not right now. It's right now. It's not even November yet. So people drafting have to keep these things in mind. Like this stuff matters. There's no guaranteed playing time for him right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he could. That's where I'm. That's where I'm at. Like that's where I'm like, oh, I gotta step back. Let somebody else take him at a potential bargain. Because you're right, at two forty eight, that could be a bargain. But if de- it depends where he signs. What if he doesn't? What if he signs as a backup again somewhere? Right, right. And and who knows? Maybe he will just be kind of sitting back and waiting. Maybe the rest of the teams will be sitting back and waiting to see where Real Muto goes um, before yeah, jumping happens. in on McCann. I would. I mean. You know, the the Mets cut Wilson Ramos, uh, and, you know, with new ownership. Who knows how much, you know, they're going to be spending uh, this winter. Maybe James McCann goes to the Mets, maybe to the even to the Yankees. <laughs> so you start thinking about places they can go, and it's like it almost makes sense for him to go back to the White Sox, though, too, because, again, they lost Edwin. That He could be uh, this – I know – I think McCann catches – I think he catches um, – it matters who he catches, too. I think he catches Giolito which is a big deal because if he catches Giolito, 
then, you know, Julio being their best pitcher, that's kind of a big deal. And maybe he could swing himself into a DH role, too. That's why it wouldn't shock me. I think he catches one or two of their guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, so man. Stuff like that. I would love to see him. I'd love to see him go to Colorado. Yeah, but we've said that before. And I feel like, it, like, I don't know. I think I'm scarred. I, I, really, liked, <laughs> I really liked Puig's price last year because Puig kept falling because he was going to sign. He was going to sign. And he finally did sign, but then nothing ever happened after he cleared COVID. Like what? I don't understand. Like he got, he, he didn't pass the COVID intake, had no symptoms, and the Braves never re-signed him. I don't know what happened there, but now I'm scarred about taking guys that don't have teams entering an unknown season or unknown, like what's going on with the season. Yeah. So I'm kind of just worried about that. But enough about that. Outside the top twelve, who's a name or two that you really like here entering? Uh, entering 2021 i keep wanting to call it 2020 2021 <laughs> um yeah so there's a, a couple guys going kind of late um I, I don't even i was just kind of eyeballing where they're at in the, in the adp and uh tyler stevenson and ryan jeffers are back to back at 341 and 344 those are a couple really interesting guys we saw tyler stevenson get a little bit of playing time this year and i, I think it was like his first his first game he, he hit I think he had two home runs. <laughs> um, so uh, Stevenson with the Reds, uh, Reds prospect. It's uh, all about from- Barnhart. If he's like, I think I don't think Barnhart's going to do much to hold him to like hold him back or anything, but he might do enough to where Stevenson might be more of like that midseason or early call up guy type of thing. And then of course he's worth taking a shot on for upside for sure. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, the other one that I really like is uh, Ryan Jeffers. You, you mentioned uh, Mitch Garver, but um, it was actually you know similar to, to the Sanchez situation. It was actually Ryan Jeffers who uh, was starting in the playoffs. He, he started both games in, in the playoffs. Um, he did hit two seventy three with three home runs in twenty six games there for the Twins. And uh, I know that uh, Jeff Zimmerman recently came out with one of his mining the news pieces a couple days ago and. Uh, mentioned there that Jeffers and Garver are likely to split time, so uh, Jeffers can be can be really interesting because who who knows if Garver's struggling again, maybe you see Jeffers kind of taking over more of like a sixty seventy five percent playing time kind of role. But uh, yeah, Stevenson and Jeffers, I'm likely more likely to take a shot on Jeffers just because I know he's going to have a role entering the season. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at too. It's like. I wanted to give Garver another shot because he just had so many things that were out of his character in terms of like anything he's ever done in the major leagues last year. And I think that had to do, you know, I think injury was a big deal, but we also saw him struggle in general. I don't know. I knew he was due for regression, but hearing that news, you know, I, I remember reading that now that you mentioned it and reading that was just like, I'm ready to drop Garver. I'm ready. And, but in turn, I'm obviously ready to bring up Jeffers a little bit because the two of them, you know, one has to move one way, one moves the other way. But, yeah, I'm not going to take Garver now. I'm just going to sit back and wait on Jeffers. And uh, and Jeffers really did flash. I'm trying to find my notes on him because uh, I, I, I remember writing up. I was really, really interested in him. Mm-hmm. But the the batting average at 270, he had XBA 35 points lower. And, yeah, strikeout rate of 30.8%. So I'm wondering, it's like you got to think that batting average probably drops. Yeah, he's probably more. He's probably close to that 250 range as well. But the home run, the power is very real. So you know you're getting the power upside. But again, it's all about his price point, and he's basically free in drafts or in deeper leagues. He's your 
third catcher probably maybe second yeah. if you really waited if you really waited you're in trouble <laughs> but um yeah I, I like that pick i like the jeffers pick he's interesting for sure well a guy that i'm really eyeing here outside the top 12 is sam huff he's going mm-hmm. just ahead of your guys he's going at he's the 22nd catcher off the board at 320 i'm surprised he's even going that high to be honest but at, at 320 i'm taking taking him all day because we saw the power potential, but he only played like 10 games last year, but Sam Huff, let's just, uh, he has big time power potential. He has a 70 grade raw power. That means it's pretty much as high. You can only grade out to 80. So the raw power is already almost as high as it can get. And then he hit 18 home runs in 2018 and 28 home runs combined over two levels in 2019. However, there is a lot of swing and miss in his game. He has low Mm -hmm. contact rates and strikeout rates, usually in the high twenties to low 30 range. He is Gary Sanchez. <laughs> <laughs> he is Gary Sanchez in a Rangers uniform and 150 picks cheaper. This is why I don't like Gary Sanchez. I found him in Arlington. <laughs> and he's probably going to My only reservation is he's never played above high A prior to 2020. So that 10-game sample, wherever we got, there's a very, very likely chance he will be back in the minors to start the year. But as of right now, there's I don't even think there's another catcher on the roster. They had Jeff Mathis, and they, they let him go. He was a free agent this year. So right now, Sam Hunt's probably the only catcher on the roster, but I don't think they start his clock. I think they gave him 10 games, and that was just to give him some playing time because they were, they were completely out of it. So that would be my only concern is that he doesn't start up with the club. And another guy, where is he at? Oh, I should have probably found out where he was on this thing because I'm looking for Tom Murphy. Is he... He's probably a little higher, isn't he? No, where is he? Is he not on here? Yeah, Tom Murphy's kind of a kind is. of a forgotten guy. Thirty fourth, thirty fourth overall, thirty fourth catcher off the board, three forty six point five overall, and he's more of your fallback number two catcher. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was going to be what people might have expected of him because you know he had kind of had that breakout in late twenty nineteen, the second half with him and Nar- Narvaez, Mur- and but now Murphy's entering the year. Nola's out of the picture over in Seattle. So I think Murphy's going to be the guy. He's going to have a chance to come back and be just something like he's not going to be anything special. He'll probably be some empty power something like, you know, maybe two thirties with power. Cause he seems to be selling out for it from what I remember, but he's free and he, but you know, he's going to play. There's nobody else there. I don't think to take the playing time from him and they're probably going to want to trade him. So if you really, again, in your deepest of deepest formats, if you need, a third catcher. He's obviously going where you can get a third catcher. And he was a guy that was going top 15 at the position last year. And all that changed was his, he, 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 it's more secured right now. Like they, again, not, not having what's his face on uh, Nolo there makes the position more secured. I would think, right. I'm going to go look at the Ross resource page now before I look like a complete idiot. Cause I could be wrong, but I remember when I wrote my notes, there was no other catcher that came to mind. Yeah. And right now they have him, they have Lewis, Torrens starting a catcher on roster resource. I have a hard time believing that, to be honest. Because, first off, I don't even know who this guy is. Am I supposed to know who Lewis <laughs> Torrens is? I, I'm not saying that. Like I'm trying to be serious. He played for two teams in 2020, one home run. I don't see wh- why would he get the chance over. Am I missing something here? He played for the Padres. Oh, he's part of the trade. Okay. Is he the starting catcher? Did I miss something here? Torrens, uh, yeah. So Torrens was kind of the starting guy down the stretch for. Why don't for I remember Seattle. this? 
<laughs> is this something I'm supposed to remember? Like he's obviously forgettable. Yeah. God, yeah. I'm, well, here guys, if you knew that, good for you. I'm obviously and I, oh, I'm supposed to be a Mariners fan. I'm such a bad Mariners fan. I obviously did not follow the catching situation there. I apologize. That's bad. I'm supposed to know these things, right? Like I'm really supposed to know these things. I thought I, I still think Tom Murphy gets the job though. Am I crazy for that? Like I really think so. No, yeah, I think that Murphy's a good call because a forgotten guy. Maybe next year he comes in with the job. It will be interesting to see, you know, how how Seattle goes about like bringing up their young guys because I know they got, you know, they have another guy who's probably like a top ten guy in their system with Cal Raleigh. Um, mm-hmm. So that'll be interesting. But no, I, I think Tom Murphy is a good dart throw uh, as any to to get late in your drafts. That's yeah. that, that's where that's where I'm at is because. And honestly, I, I, I'm not exaggerating. I'm pretty sure I looked at the roster because I wrote my article up like two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. I wrote that article. It was probably two weeks ago. And I, I looked at every roster, and he was not penciled in as a starter back then. So this really upsets me. Otherwise, I would have known the name. But regardless, Tom Murphy's still got I'm not backing down. I'm still in <laughs> on Tom Murphy. And that's going to do it for the catcher stuff. This ran longer than I expected. So let's run through. We have some questions to run through because we are uh, – Gonna hold hold to our word on that for sure. As um, I pull up my the questions, of course, like I'm supposed to. Yeah, here they are. <laughs> all right, the first. I'm not, there's no particular order. We appreciate all your questions. We're gonna get to them all. MLB fantasy pros. Wander Franco from Tampa Bay. I guess he had to specify because I don't know if you heard about this a small little tangent again. But people were drafting the wrong Wander Franco. I guess with the one from the Giants last year a little bit in, in certain drafts or something. You hear about that? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm glad he specified. I, I, don't think, <laughs> I, was, I wasn't going to make that mistake, but he he thinks Wander Franco is going to be called up from Durham in week four. First off, we'll start right there. Do you think he's called up that early? You know, I, I'm you know, not too sure. I, yeah. I think, yeah, I, I think that um, with the Rays losing the World Series, maybe that does you know, put a little bit more pressure on them to get him up to the majors because, I mean, we know that sometimes these windows can be short. And He's 19 I mean, years old. Yeah, yeah, he's 19. <laughs> but, I mean, if he can come up and help the MLB club, I mean, they, they just made the World Series and, and they lost. But with the, a World Series, like, and with your good players, you know, they're going to be more expensive. And the Rays are a team that, you know, we know – isn't going to pay everybody, you know, it, it, anybody, anybody really. Right. So, I mean, if this is, if they have a window right now to win, why not call up the best prospect in baseball and, you know, see if he can help you win a championship. I think the Rays are good enough to compete in the regular season without him. That's the thing. Will he get a run next year? I think he gets a run, but I think he gets it after they secure the extra year. Mm-hmm. Whenever that year may be, like it might be in the middle of the season, but I think if he gets a called, I think if he gets called up, it'll be towards the second half or in the second half, at some point, and he's gonna. I think he's gonna disappoint where he's being. I think he's being drafted relatively aggressively early on too. I don't think we're gonna see him as an early call up. The Rays never call up their guys early. Yeah, <laughs> so he will be twenty when the season starts. So I don't know. Maybe maybe <laughs> late. Maybe <laughs> he he's a summer call up. Right. <laughs> yeah, we'll saying. see. Maybe, I, don't maybe. Know. I, I just I don't trust the Rays to do that. 
They've never done that. Like you said, they won't pay their players. They don't want to start their service time clock either. Now, maybe if they're not competing early on, maybe even then it's like they're more likely to sell off than they are to make a push to compete. Like, I don't know. I don't trust them to do the right thing. Plus they have other players like Bruhan that they might see as being more affordable and um, other pieces that play similar positions yeah. are kind of raised types of players. Xavier Edwards, the slap dick prospect or whatever his name is. Like, right. That was, that's yeah, that was him. <laughs> okay. I was making sure. Like Snell, Snell. You know what? Maybe he deserved to get pulled. It's all. It's karma. It's a long way of getting karma on him for that comment. Full circle. But yeah, that's where I'm like. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think we see him. But even if, so, I just wanted to address that first because we both aren't as optimistic as this guy is. But do you think he starts at, sec- at shortstop or third base? Adamus or Wendell trade or become trade candidates? Essentially, is what he's asking. I think Adamus's glove is too good, and we saw a little bit of a breakout with the bat. So I don't think Thomas is going anywhere, but I think Wander would probably go to maybe second, but now a Rosarena, we have to see what happens with him because I thought Brandon Lau had an obvious transition spot to the outfield. I thought they were just going to put Brandon Lau to the outfield, but Mm -hmm. now with Rosarena, you have Rosarena, you have Meadows. Who I'm trying to remember who else in the outfield. Kiermaier. Kiermaier is true. Kiermaier, Marco. Kind of puts yeah, him know, out there. Yeah, yeah, I know Margot. I'm just trying to remember the, the glove. I know Kermire's glove. I couldn't think of it. But my point is, is like as long as Rosarena is a thing, and then you know Yandi, he keeps doing his thing. I don't know where the spots are supposed to be to open up. They have Susugo. They have G-Man Choi. They have. They're gonna have to do something. They have all these players coming up. All these solid, but not like superstar players at, at the major league level. Yeah. Like I don't know, I, and I bet you they're gonna sign some other fill-in-the-blank player. I'm telling you, Tommy LaStella has Rays written all over him. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm, I don't even know. Where, I, I would like to think he would. they wouldn't mess with his natural position, which might move Adamus to second or third base. But with Adamus being so good at shortstop, maybe they put Wander at second. That's where I'm guessing, second or third. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking maybe he slides over to second or third. That's Yeah, because Adamus is too good, and they value defense. And again, Adamus isn't bad with a bat these days. So I don't think they're, I don't think they're going to trade. I don't think they can trade Wendell for anything either. That's another thing. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. It, kind of, it would make sense to to have him play third, and you know, you keep a Rosarena, and you keep the defense in the center with Kiermaier, and then you got Meadows. Um, yeah. You know, maybe Yandi plays some more first base. I don't. What about Nate, yeah. Lowe? What about Nate Lowe though? You have Nate Lowe too. You have Josh Lowe in the minors. You have yeah. that, was another, that was another middle infielder they have. They have so much; it's ridiculous. It they is. have all the pitchers. Anyway, we can move on. We have actually a handful of questions. I didn't realize. Um, let's start with this question: When you are evaluating a hitter or a pitcher, if you could only use three metrics to judge them by uh, to judge them by, what do you choose and why? This is from Jordan S. Uh, pitchers i know k minus walks a big one for me right away yeah (laughs) yeah go to this one's tough you know just just three metrics uh like woba for hitters woba is kind of like an all-encompassing yeah that it it kind of takes everything into into like into play it it includes singles doubles hit by pitches it's all inclusive so woba is a really good one but then I'm kind of weird. I really like K and walk rates for hitters because I think that's a really good indication of like initial changes in a profile. Like you look right. at a K and a walk rate, it can tell you real quick if someone's being aggressive or passive. It can tell you real quick if someone's struggling and why. 
Like, oh, like look, look, there's a spike in K rate this year. What changed? Or there's a spike in walk rate. What changed? And it's like stuff like that. So it's like K's and walk rates and Woba are like the first three I go to to see what's going on. Like, that's my initial boom. They're not necessarily metrics, though, but those are like Woba's a metric more than walk rate and K rate. But that's kind of where I go to for every hitter because that's just where I start. My eyes go there and that kind of go around. I like exactly. barrel rate a lot, too. I do like barrel rate a lot because I like to think I like to see players get good quality contact on balls. It shows that they're putting good quality contact on balls. So barrel rate's a fun one. I, I like to see I like to see improvements and I like to see bar- players barrel the ball better. But oh, I'm trying to think, is there anything I'm missing? Like obvious, I'm sure there are. There's so many good metrics. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for for hitters, um, I, I like to look at you know the exit velocity on line drives and fly balls. Yeah, that's a good one. Just, see, I knew I'd miss one. Yeah, just because I mean that's one of the components of you know barrel rate, right? It, it's and just power, the raw output. Right, yeah, exactly. So it's just the raw power that you're looking at is that that exit velocity on line drives and fly balls. And I think it's maybe a little easier to translate, you know, year over year. It, it just kind of gives you the, your overall sense of, like, you know, their power potential. And, you know, along with that, I, I look at maybe something like fly ball percentage. If someone has, like, a higher fly ball percentage, I, I know to kind of expect, like, you know, a lower BABIP, uh, kind of pair that with that exit velocity and, and you know, kind of get a sense of, of their, the you know, power potential there. Um, and then walk to strikeout ratio, you know, that that's, that's another, mm-hmm. that's a big one. Um, I think, I think what we're indicating, what we're saying is that we all, we, every, there's so many good ones and you just have to, you have to know what goes with what. So it's exactly. like, everybody has a starting point. I, I tried to tell them, I tried to tell him my starting point, but usually it's like, I hate to just say these three because like you said, every time you say one, you connect two or three other dots. So we're exactly. trying to, I think there's more, it's more of an indication of how we go about our process. You start at, you start here and you end there. <laughs> like, like there's like, you start with one and it ends up turning itself into three or four or five different places you're looking. Yeah. And that's the best way I try to tell people like there is no golden metric and all be all. I think, I think pictures for me though, K minus walk is a big one. I think Woba is a, is a good one for hitters. But then there's just so much. It's just so hard. I'm a and I'm a big deep dive guy, so I, I love doing my deep dive articles. Hey, you know what? For pitchers, I like I like it. Kind of goes into Cam's walk rate, but I like swinging strike rate and I like O swing because I like to see pitchers that are missing bats. So I like to look at stuff like that too, like just small. Like, but those are just like lesser, but still something that's like, well, maybe the strikeout rate's here, but he's not missing any bats. So now right. he's depending. He's depending on a lot of whiffs in the zone. So you got to kind of figure out where he's getting these strikeouts from, and is it is it something that's believable to that he can sustain or is it something that maybe you need to watch out for? He might not, you know, be able to sustain this. So stuff like that could be little little indicators within to like within things. So, but you were, you were talking, I cut you off so rudely again. No, 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 you're good. So for, for pitchers, you know, you pretty much, pretty much nailed it. I I like to look at, you know, swinging strike rate is, is the first thing, a really big one. Um, Strikeout minus walk rate. And then just looking at velocity, Really, just just looking at yeah, Velo on, on all the pitches, how it's carried over. I think you know spin Velo rate. probably like spin rate a lot. Right, right, and and Velo is probably one of the, just the most, you know, the the biggest indicators of of success. You see a guy, you know, as Velo goes up, and you know, you see the all the metrics get better across the board. So I like to look at Velo, how that's trending, swinging strike rate, and then the K minus uh, walk rate. I like to look at pitch mix a lot because I like to see if there's any changes. 
kind of goes back hand to hand because if you see a change in pitch mix, a, pi- a pitcher's change in pitch, pitch mix is like a hitter's change in approach. If you see a change in approach, you see a change in pitch mix, and you see the results that go with them in a positive or negative way, I'm more likely to buy the results in, a, in that positive or negative way because there's a tangible change behind the results. So, like, pitch mix is a big one. It's not a metric, but it's more of like a thing to look for, big time in pitchers. We get, we've given way more answers than we <laughs> But it goes to show you that, like, I even told him, spoiler alert, there's no right answer because there is, like, and he knew, like, there wasn't going to be one. But um, anyway, so I guess somebody in your league commented, so we're going to read it. A.A. Ron with the Inye. <laughs> Who's the best up-and-coming team in your Till Doomsday Reigns League, George? Yeah, so this was actually one of the first Dynasty Leagues that that I joined. It was uh, It's a 12-team points league. And... Uh, my guy here, Aaron Harrison, uh, <laughs> he's just been kind of building this juggernaut. He he, year one he was tanking, year two he was tanking, but now he's just collected all these, <laughs> just a team of incredible prospects and and really good young players. So, uh, yeah, he's just kind of bragging there. But uh, he, his uh, his team name's Baby Babyface Assassin. So I put uh, BFA. I re- I uh, responded to uh, him there. <laughs> That makes sense because I actually went my fire academy was BFA Broward Fire Academy, so, yeah. so I was like, "What?" And it, it caught me off guard. I was like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "Oh wait, duh." All right, next question. Um, somebody asked about Larusa. That was tongue in cheek, but Rob's a good dude. He comments on a lot of my stuff, so I just responded to him. Um, already, <laughs> but I mean, maybe he's serious. It's kind of interesting. Maybe it's not tongue in cheek, but it's not fantasy related. I don't know. You want, whatever, I'll, I'll ask it because Rob's a good dude. Rob Wedig. How come Larusso was never seen as a culpable, as culpable? Sorry, was never seen as culpable in any way for the steroid use of his players. He had to know, right? I kept hearing the big strike, of the sorry, the big strike against Hinch was he couldn't get his players to stop cheating. How is allowing PED use by players different? And my instant response was honestly, it's easy. He there was no video evidence of it like there is now like people didn't sit there with their camera phones taking pictures of other players you know inserting needles in their butts and sure it was assumed and maybe he even knew but you can't prove it you know what i mean it's all hearsay you have to you have to assume he knew but you can't prove it like we could prove it with hinch hinch this would have been the same thing they would have been rumors had we not found actual evidence yeah yeah and it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to pin that on on him when essentially the entire league was sweeping it under the rug, you know, during the time. So exactly. Yeah. You know. Um, outside of Arania and Seeger, this is from triple play fantasy. Great podcast. Anybody listening to us and wants an extra podcast to check out, obviously keep listening. We're almost done, but then go check out triple play fantasy. They're good. They, they do cover all other sports as well. So if you're a multi-sport uh, content type of guy or gal, that's the one for you, but let's get back to it. Outside of Rosarena and Seeger, what hitters' value went up from this postseason? So for fantasy leagues, um, what hitters are you looking at that kind of improved their stock from this postseason, George? Yeah, so a couple guys I wrote down, um, you know, Jose Altuve obviously had a big, big uh, postseason, hit 375, five home runs. Um, Marcus Simeon hit 407. Uh, so, I mean, if you kind of put his postseason together with, you know, just kind of continuing off his regular season, he would have had his average up to about 250 or so. You could probably do the same thing with Altuve, and it's probably right up there a little higher. So uh, I think Altuve and Simeon are a couple guys that have, 
you know, fallen pretty far that I think maybe I'm, I'm getting back in on for next year. Uh, and then, you know, Springer just kind of kept doing what he does. Spring uh, hit 263 in the postseason with four home runs. Uh, and then John Carlos Stanton, <laughs> you know, it just seemed like every other at bat was a home run for him. He's doing it to us again. Yeah. He's, he was an answer to another question that we'll get to soon about players losing eligibility. I know it's somewhere on here, right? Yeah, here you go. Yeah, it's, it's one of the questions. So we'll talk about him a little bit more. But a couple guys real quick for me. Um, one was Ian Anderson, just because he was looking really sharp coming into the playoffs and then came into the playoffs, went 2-0 and with a 11.57 with K per nine and a .96 ERA, just absurd numbers and looked fantastic. You know he's going to have inflation crazy coming into next year. So he was yeah. the first name. And this one, I kind of cheated, I mentioned. And it's not a flashy name, so it's okay to cheat on him. This guy has an ADP of 348. It's Luis Arias. And I was out on him last year. I'm in on him this year. And it's for the simple fact that a four-game sample to end the year. Yes, very small sample. <laughs> but a four-game sample, he led off or batted second. Give me that – give me that – give me those plate appearances with his high batting average floor. And you have yourself a guy who's going to give you a ton of runs and a great batting average, and he's cheap. So he's a guy that if you draft iffy batting average early, you can grab him at such a good cost right now. And he's gonna he's likely going to be a top two hitter, I think, for that team. And he in the playoffs, the two playoff games, because you know the Twins lost. He let off. I think he let off both of them. So it's kind of like one of those like technically he played the playoffs, but didn't really do much. But the idea is the fact that that skill set. And you're getting he's not he's not just empty batting average anymore he's he's empty batting average and runs now so he gives you two stats he might throw in a few steals though. he might throw in a couple of steals but I would I would bank on the runs I would bank on the batting average he's he's a poor man's DJ Mayhew before the breakout you know what I mean like where you would take Lemayhew for a similar skill set you're getting hit you're getting you're getting Arias really late with a similar skill set with that with the old Lemayhew skill set so that's why I say I'm kind of cheating. I'm I'm playing. It's strictly based off my idea that he's going to be hitting top two in that lineup, and there's no reason to think he won't. So that's where I'm at with the rise. Told you, I'm yeah. Cheating. Uh, that's all I got. <laughs> I know it's not flashy, not sexy, but there's something there. I'm telling you, watch. I'm I'm going to be the first one. I'm breaking the news. He's leading off. Watch that. Uh, FX. I know you, there's nothing to say back to that because it's freaking Luis Arias. Like that's boring. Told you, it's boring, and I'm cheating. Um, <laughs> How to evaluate players with incredible stat cast numbers but average performances. Al- Alcala, Al- I can't say his name, and Antone. Like, he gave examples. Yeah. It's a case-by-case basis. I mean, I don't know if you have a, a good answer set up for this one, but. I literally wrote down case-by-case. Case. <laughs> you did not. That's I did. It's right here on my notes. Case-by-case. Case. Small sample. Fan- you just kind of. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, it's You look for reasons. Maybe they have really good stat cast pages, but one of their pitches is getting really bad, like unlucky. You start looking at pitch mix, you're like, well, maybe this this one pitch has like an XBA of like of like 120, but that but they have a, but a BA of 380. So you're like, well, obviously he's underperforming on this one pitch, causing the rest of the numbers, although great, it's causing like his ERA to be inflated or whatever, or just like that. It's just you gotta find it. You gotta go. You gotta go digging. You, you do. But the good thing about a good stat cast page is it's usually an indication of something good going on. So even though the numbers might not back it up all the time, 
usually the numbers are may, are going to improve. You just got to find out where he's struggling and how he can improve. And so it's like, yeah, StatCast page can tell the – it could be lying to you, but it, like, I don't know. StatCast pages are weird. You can't just take them. It's, you can't just yeah. take them. I mean, there's a reason why there's a whole microwave meme thing, right? Like <laughs> It's whatever Matt said. So, that's I still can't get over. That's awesome. First time it's been referenced yeah. on this podcast. It's awesome. I know. You, yeah. Anyway, so, I think I think we all know. You know Matt. I don't think he meant it to be taken the way it was taken. I want to make sure I say that very clearly. Right. But but <laughs> it got it kind of blew up anyway. Exactly. Exactly. Now, I mean, I, to answer this question, I think for me. A big part of my analysis this offseason, because we're looking at small samples, is going to be taking a look at what they they did and looking at rolling averages. I think rolling averages are going to be a big part of my analysis this offseason. And, like, have they done this before in similar samples? And, you know, is it different now than it was, you know, did they produce the same results before in a different way? What, What has changed, you know? And... I think that's going to be a big thing for me, and it is going to be about on a case by case basis. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be. It's such a cop out answer, but it's the true one. All right. Um, from John Fish, my buddy John, he's a good dude. Ideal start from the one spot. Do you ever have specific category targets by the end of a certain round? When will you be doing your first money draft? Normally, I would be drafting in November, but I just bought a freaking house. I drained my NFBC account to help them. I helped with my down payment. It took me, it put me into a conventional loan. Nobody cares about that. Basically, it was enough to make a difference in the loan type. So I drained my NFBC account. So I have to basically earn my way back into NFBC League. So I won't be drafting as early as I usually do. But you said you're considering an NFBC League already. You going to do it? Yeah, I think I might. We'll see. Uh, uh, might no. jump in. This might fun. jump in here. Take advantage of being ahead of the curve, man. Yeah, yeah. We we talked about you know people jumping into drafts right away. That's me, man. I, I want to get drafted in like already, you know. Um, well, so do I, but I just literally <laughs> I I drained my money, so I don't have any. <laughs> and I'm buying a house. So I can't even put on the credit card. Oh, it's so sad. But uh, getting back yeah, to the I question mean, though, do you have any like? I don't know if I ever like. I'm not big on like doing the whole projections during a draft thing, like. I've always been good at eyeballing just skill sets more than more than anything. I know there's some people like I think I, I think Toby Bath crazy. I think he's big on having like he knows what he knows what you need to target in terms of the amount to target. But I think he also uses projections to help him figure out if his numbers are there. And the dude is wildly successful. So it's hard to argue what he does. I'm just not that big into projections, so I don't use them to guide my decision makings decision making on a skill set like if i think well this if I, i'll look at a player and make well this shows that this could be a trend and this shows he's on the downswing like i bet you you could still look at paul goldschmidt and i bet you there's still a bunch i bet you there's still gonna be a few of them that say he's gonna have like six to eight stills this year and i think you'd be very lucky to get six to eight because you know they're still very they're still averaging in a couple of his other seasons that he threw did double digits i think I think he might start. Maybe not. Maybe he's been past the three years at this point. But you get my point of examples like that. You gotta. You gotta. There's more to just looking at projections. So I don't know. I, I have a hard time. I don't. I guess no. My answer is: Do I? Do you ever have a specific category targets by the end of a certain round? No. Although I do like to address speed in my first three. 
So I guess right. that would be a yes. <laughs> I like to address speed early. But then yeah. after that, I kind of back off until the middle rounds. Right. So that's really the only thing that I can really say, too, is just you want to come out of your first, like, four or five rounds with uh, hitters that can chip in, you know, steals um, just because of the scarcity. So uh, as, as, you know, any other category targets, though, not really. You know, the, the only other thing you can really look at is maybe saves. If, yeah. and, and just that just kind of goes into, like, you know, how the draft is falling to you at that point. As far as like an ideal start from the one spot, I'm probably not taking. I'm probably not taking a pitcher number one. I'm probably going, you know, Acuna or Mookie, um, or Tatis, you know, something like that. At the two three turn, it kind of depends. I think what I've seen in the early mock so far is that there's a huge pitcher run in the second round, a lot of times. So yeah. if if a couple guys fall to me, I might go pitcher pitcher at the two three and maybe get like Acuna with a who knows like a bueller and flaherty you know it's just it looks just like a you, couple names bueller is might not fall but flaherty seems to always fall outside the top 30 for like a 15 teamers mm-hmm. flaherty and glass now flaherty and lynn gallon woodruff like those would be and even snell snell he's a guy that might have just gained value from the way he pitched in the postseason too um those are names that you could def- definitely double up on right there at the turn and honestly, I'm kind of with you. I mean, I would like if Acuna's that's where I'm at. Acuna won. Mm-hmm. I like Ozzy Albies a lot, but the way pitching dries up, I want to I want to at least get one pitcher in my first three picks. So I will definitely get one pitcher, Acuna as my number one usually. I, I could see bets. It depends on the I don't know. I think I think when there's an overall component, I want to go Acuna because I want the ceiling, but I want to take bets any other time because I feel like he's just so safe. Right, so, and that's exactly where I'm at too. Now, like if I, I like the pitching that's actually going later in that like 80 to 150 range. So if I miss out on that run in the second round, you know, and it's like, you know, Bueller and Flaherty are gone and, and all those guys and, and I'm looking at into the next tier, I'm looking at like Glasnow and Lance Lynn, those kind of guys, I might just go ahead and pass them up and, and go, you know, three hitters with my first three picks if I could get like one of those second basemen between LeMahieu and Albies and then like another guy. Well, you know, I, who, I only, I only want LeMahieu there if he's a Yankee. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm hearing rumbling. Like, there's rumblings of him like joining the angels or something. And although I like that for the angels, I don't like that for his fantasy value because he leaves Yankee stadium. Mm-hmm. So if that's like, if that actually comes to, which I don't see how the Yankees don't pay him. Like the Yankees pay everybody. And he's going to be cheap compared to, like, most players. Like, maybe not. Who knows? He might be one of those weird veterans that actually gain to get paid for once. Regardless, um, I think I, I think we're on the same page, though. It's like you get that five-category guy for sure at the one. You get one of you get one of your aces at the turn. And you kind of go from there, depending on how you feel about the guys coming back. Because if you look back, let's see if we go to pick 60. 60 should be your next pitchers, right? How do you feel about Carlos Carrasco, Sixto Sanchez, Plesak's kind of nice as your SP2 at that point if you waited. Um, but you're kind of going into this range of like Carlos Crasco's iffy. You might want to double like if you take if you don't take two pitchers in that first turn, you might want to double up here because you're gonna have Crasco, Sixto, Plesak. Uh Kyle Hendricks is safe. Strasburg is a big question mark. Grinky's a question mark, I think. Wheeler is actually really solid, kind of underappreciated. But you get my yeah. point. Like, this, this is where you're getting, let's say you gotta kind of decide do you take the pitchers early because then the hitters here I like a lot more 
So it's like I'd rather because now you're looking at pick sixty ish. Brandon Lau, George Springer, Gleyber Torres, Teoscar Hernandez, Nelson Cruz. I think look if you look ahead more, I'm most likely going to go hitter, pitcher, pitcher, knowing I'm going to get some of these hitters to fall to me. Mm-hmm. God, why yeah, are we going to take Justin yeah. Hero so high? <laughs> I don't know. All right, that's going to do it, man. We've talked longer than I expected. It was fun. It was nice to get going again. It yeah, was. We're going we're gonna to shor- shorten these podcasts up in the future. But until then, guys, we appreciate you listening. And honestly, an hour and a half is a fantastic listen because it's like two episodes. Perfect. Like right now, with there's no one else really, there's not a lot of recording going on. You get yourself two episodes out of one. Hope you guys enjoy those. Seriously, appreciate you all listening. Again, you can follow us on Twitter. George is at Roto underscore Nino. I'm at Mike underscore Curlin. Bases Loaded Pod is at Bases Loaded Pod on Twitter as well. And stick with us. We'll be trying to do weekly up until spring training and all that. And then we'll try to up it from there. But as always, appreciate listening and we will talk to you soon.